Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Now the question that we have to ask ourselves when we look at Nehemiah uh, chapter 1, we have to ask ourselves, what started this whole thing anyway? You ever wonder about that, how things get started? And in chapter 1 in Nehemiah, it's, it's pretty clear how this book was written and how the whole story unfolded because casual conversations. Now when you go to Tim Hortons or Starbucks or wherever, do you have casual conversations? Yeah, we are Canadians, we like casual conversations, right? Uh, what does a casual conversation consist of in a Canadian context? The weather, number one, because look outside. You get up in the morning, you go, oh no, we start talking about the weather. How many of you have a weather app on your phone, tablet, or someplace? Oh, you see more of us have that than we have devotional book. Ah, aha, maybe we have to do this differently. Yeah, we talk about the weather, Canadian culture. What else do we talk about? Hockey, food, baseball, the Raptors, politics. Now, isn't it interesting that they say in Canadian culture, two things you should never talk about is religion and politics. But what do we talk about? Religion and politics. <laughs> Casual conversations can lead in all kinds of directions or something you see. And that's what happened to Nehemiah. In chapter 1, verse 2, as he's having a casual conversation with his brothers and some friends, they're, they're just, who knows where they were sitting, who they were, where they were talking, but this is how the casual conversation went. It says this in verse 2, I questioned. So now it's not casual anymore. It's going a little deeper. I question them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and about Jerusalem. And so he asks these two questions that puts this whole thing in motion. And I thought, you know, almost always God begins to move our hearts through conversations or something we see. God starts to stir us in those moments. And, and it's powerful how he does that. And so Nehemiah is entering into this because it says in verse 4, he says, after he asked the questions, they respond and say it's not going well at all. And Nehemiah, though he's far removed, he's not removed. You know, today we are a very global society. You can go to anything on the internet as far as the news around the world and you have it instantly, correct? So we're a global society and we can look at something that's happening in Israel, for example, like no rain, I've been there, I've seen the Jordan, and I'm just, Ray, I'm like, really? The like when he told me, I said, come on, Ray, you're kidding me, the Jordan dry up? He goes, no, Pastor Rob, I'm serious. And I'm like, wow, I need to check that out myself. Because we have access to that, so it seems like, well, that's far away, so it really doesn't affect me. But Nehemiah had a different response when he heard this, because in verse 4, when I heard these things, it says he sat down and wept. He was taken to tears. We were just singing about that, actually. He says, for some days, we don't know how long, he mourned. He says, I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Notice the process. 
When God begins to move in your heart, there's a transitional moment. There's a pinnacle moment where you start to change. I start to change. And in his case, the moment he started to hear these things, God did something in him that he was moved to this weeping and this mourning and fasting and praying. Something broke inside of him. Now, think about Nehemiah's life. Okay, he was, was he part of the exile, yes or no? Yes. Do you know what his job was? We talked about it. He would bring the, to the, the cup to the king. So, so anyway, this was his job, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a great job, except for the drinking the cup part. But the rest of it was really cozy and nice and comfortable because he lived in the palace. Now, if you study history at all and you study what these kings lived like, man, they were literally high on the hog. I mean, they lived with abundance and with little prudence. And they lived to extreme. So he lived in the palace of extreme. He was very comfortable. Think about it. Why would you be concerned about Jerusalem and the people there when I can live in the lap of luxury here with the king, even though I'm in exile? And I want to say to you, in the North American church, we are like Nehemiah in the comfort zone of the king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords has given us everything, and we can get comfortable in our Christendom. We can get comfortable in our lifestyles. And, and what's going on around us, we can, we can be blinded to. And I think God wants to shake us this day to remind us that in his kingdom, don't get comfortable. We cannot afford comfort in his kingdom. And so Nehemiah, though he lived comfortably, couldn't stay comfortable. And as a matter of fact, when it says he wept and he mourned, mourn, mourning is, is like the Calder family is doing right now. When you lose someone you love, when you lose something, we mourn. We have grief. And grief has all kinds of forms to it, but it's often equated to death. And so he was moved by what he heard, not what he saw. But he saw in his brothers the, just the agony of the situation. I wonder how many of us as Christians, when somebody says, I'm going through such and such, we say, I'll pray for you, but we never pray for them. I want to encourage you, if somebody says something to you, it doesn't matter if it's at the grocery store, the gas station, Tim Hortons, wherever, at work, wherever. Somebody says, I'm going through something, and, and you want to pray for them. When should you pray for them? Right, right there. Right there. And you say, well, maybe I might get in trouble for that. Maybe. But you know what? I will not. I will not embarrass or deny my God. I do not want to be so comfortable that when something happens and I get uncomfortable, that I walk away from it. And so Nehemiah found himself in that position, so much so that he wept. Now, uh, I had an opportunity, as I've shared with you uh, a few, quite a few years ago now, when I was pastoring in Toronto to, to meet uh, Doug Stiller, who was that time the president of World Relief Canada. And uh, he asked me to go with him to, on three weeks to Cambodia and Vietnam to see the work of World Relief Canada. And they're doing a lot of work there, a lot of good work. But one of the things I can still picture as if it just happened was when we went with some people from YWAM who were doing some work in, uh, in Phnom Penh, just outside of the capital of Cambodia. 
And, and we went there, and we were watching their production, and all the children were there and so on. And Doug and I were standing off to the side just, just watching. We weren't really involved in it in any way. We were just there. And as we were standing there, this, this lady came out of the crowd. She was about yay tall, uh, skinny, nothing to her. Um, her face was sunken in, and she had this baby in her hands. And she, was, she brought right to Doug and I and did this to us. And, and we're looking at her, and we're looking at each other, trying to figure out what's going on. And she's going on and on in, in, in Cambodian. And, we, and then we don't know what's going on. And so the lady who's overseeing the YWAM, she sees what's going on. So she comes over, and this mother's crying, and she's doing this with the baby. And so they start this little bit of dialogue, and we said, what's going on? And she said, she wants you to take her baby because she can't take care of her baby, and her baby has AIDS. And, we want, and she wants you to take the baby. And Doug and I are just standing there. Okay, first off, we're guys, so we're not sure what to do. You know, you ladies would have done everything possible, I'm sure. But the guy, like, we're standing there looking at each other like, whoa, this is a little overwhelming. And, but she wouldn't stop. And so, so we stepped back for a moment. I said, Doug, what do we do? He says, I don't know. We both started to cry. We just both started to cry. And you see, that when God moves you, there is an emotional response. We are an emotional being that God has created. And, and so we had this emotional response, and, I, and we started to cry, and we were looking at each other, and I said, what do we do? And, and then we had this almost mourning in us for this woman's situation who would come to total strangers and say, take my baby? And so the YWAMer who was overseeing it, she's from Holland, wonderful young lady, she, she took the baby. And uh, two days later, the baby died. Uh, unfortunately. But she said, you know what? I took the baby. We tried to help. We wanted to help the baby die well. And the mother disappeared. Now, I want to tell you, that moves you. On the other side of the world, God can speak to you, but he can speak to you right here to move you right now. And that's what he does. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't know about you, but this week I was... uh, I can say this now, I was fasting lunches. I'm not very good at that, um, the fasting part. You know, it takes a lot of food to run this body. Like, you know, it's pretty long. I have hollow legs, my mom said. I don't know how that happened, but I do. And, uh, but anyway, the point is this, that, that when you feel God telling you to do something, like Nehemiah, and you go into this position of fasting and praying, it's tough because the body and our minds and our souls and our spirits don't want to give over to what the Spirit is saying. We want our way at the end of the day. We want our way. And so maybe we're a little afraid or maybe we're not sure, but Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23. He said to them, talking to the disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny, say deny, he must deny himself or herself and take up their cross daily and do what? Follow me. The message puts it like this. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help. Oh boy, there's lots of self-help out there at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way. Defining yourself, your true self. I thought, well, when I was growing up in the hippie days, everybody was going to Europe to find themselves, when they could have just stayed there and Jesus would have found them. 
It would have been a lot cheaper. You know, people are always, I'm trying to find myself. Well, you know what? You're totally lost and only Jesus can find you. And I was one of those guys. Because denying self is hard. And to deny ourselves and take up our cross is hard. It is a battle of the flesh. You know, have you ever, I've gone to uh, Toys R Us. Toys R Us. And I've watched parents in there with their children. And, and April and I always tried, when we, especially when our kids were younger, to say, oh, no, we can't take them in there because it's like a kid in a candy shop. You know, they want everything. It's like a guy going into, into Walmart and going, oh, no, where's Canadian Tire? <laughs> you know, like, like you want to be in the right place. And so, so, so it's just like I got to have it or I can't do it or whatever our story is. But Nehemiah came to this place of praying. So he, he, he was mourning and weeping and fasting, and he prayed. Now, we don't know much about Nehemiah. We're only in chapter 1. But one of the things that I thought, well, for sure, when I read this story, this man was a praying man. Even though he was in, in exile, he was with a, a total foreign nation, a total foreign way of life, false gods, all kinds of stuff. He didn't back down from his faith. And I believe that is the word the Lord gave us this morning prophetically. Not to quit. Not to back down from what God's called you to do. Do it. Persevere. And the Lord says, I'm with you and as you persevere. And I think Nehemiah had to have come to that place. And I thought, you know, we often assume that every single person who says they're a follower of Christ prays. We assume that every single follower of Christ is spending time in the Word journaling, hearing God's voice, and so on. We assume those things, but we shouldn't because not all of us are doing those things. Let's be honest. There's times in my life where I might go two or three days where I haven't read the Word, and I'm going, why haven't I read the Word? I've, I've had other priorities in the wrong place. But when I put his priorities first, my priorities, if I want to say that, fall into line because if I put him first, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and what? And all these will be added to you. In other words, who's first? God is. He wants to be number one in your life and my life. And we know this. We know these things. But we don't always practice them. And when we get into next week, I'm going to launch us off on a, on a series on discipleship. And you're going to be taking some take-homes. Not quite as fancy as this, but you'll be taking a take-home for something to work on during the week about discipleship. But the first thing we're going to jump into is who is Christ? Because we need to understand who we're aligning ourselves with. And, and we'll move from there fairly quickly, but we're going to see some things. But also, you're going to have an opportunity for Q&A. Uh, send me questions. So throughout the week, while you're praying and looking at the passages we're going to talk about next week, if you have questions, send them to me, and you'll have my email, and you can send them to me. And then I will talk about that in my next sermon. So if there's some questions that come, and I'll go, Pastor Wayne's going to answer that one. Pastor Don's going to answer that one. And there is no answer for that one. So, you know, we'll just know. But I, I'm serious about that, so keep that in mind. Because we need to grow in the things of God. And too often our prayers are the wish list kind. You know what I'm talking about? Lord, give me a really good day today. I pray that, I'm, that I have something good to eat. I pray that you keep me safe on the road. And, uh, yeah, yeah, amen. There. There's my wish list. Nowhere in there did I say, God, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do today, God? What is it you're asking of me? And Nehemiah had to have asked that question. Or he would have never 
stepped out to do what he did. He was so broken about it, and he heard from God what he was supposed to do. Now, don't misunderstand me. We need to be praying about those things. We do. But like the disciples, they came to a point where they said, you know, we're doing this stuff religiously, but it's not working. Lord, teach us to pray. Because Jesus, when you pray, things happen. Stuff happens, Jesus, when you're praying and doing things. Whoa, look out. But when we pray, it's like, hmm, 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 nothing. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? Like, we, how long have we been praying for Carissa? Man, oh man, Lord, we need a miracle. And it, maybe it's a miracle she's still alive. Because people say, well, you pray and pray, nothing happens. I said, well, what would happen if we weren't praying? Look at it on the other side. Where, is Ron here today, Gert? No? How's he doing? Well, thanks, Pastor Wayne. I thought, was that God? Who said that? <laughs> Sorry. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to tell you something, too, by the way. Um, just on the, the Wednesday night we were talking about, um, when Gail, Gail Gert was here, and uh, she was sitting with April because we were, we were praying and stuff. I think, was that Wednesday or Sunday night, April? Wednesday night. And uh, there's Gail you know, with her cane and, and just coming along with this smile on her face. And boy, was she praying up a storm. Here's this lady who's been through all this stuff, and I'm listening, I'm going, Lord, she's just right there with you, right there with you. And Nehemiah was right there with you. Are you and I right there with God? I mean, how, Mark, thank you. We're the spirit of the living God. I mean, talk about listening and waiting on him. And so God calls us to this. And Nehemiah had to find that place in his heart that he was so moved with compassion that he said, I forget all the comforts and all the stuff, and I'll go to the king, and let's see what happens. And he found favor with God, and then the story really begins because he prays and all this stuff happens. And so King Artaxerxes says, okay, this is what I'm going to do for you. I want to, you know, the reason this is so important is because we will get favor from non-believers. I've said this before. We will get favor from non-believers. God will move in their heart because we have sought the Lord, what the Lord has said, I want you to do this, and you step out and you watch what he will do around you. He is the miracle-working God, and he will move in hearts and lives in ways that we can't even think, imagine, or pray because he says, I go before you always. He says, I already know what's going to happen. And Artaxerxes says, not only will I give you letters, I'm going to give you the access to the king's forest, and not only that, I'm going to send soldiers with you. Now, how would you like that gig? What are we doing? We're going where? To Jerusalem. Why would we go to Jerusalem? There's nothing there. It's rubble. It's dust. It's hot. It's sticky. It stinks. You're my soldiers. You're going. Favor, favor, favor. So when he arrives, he knows what he's going to do as he looks over the situation. And I thought, you know, as I was reading through this uh, story, uh, I, was, I was amazed at the number of people involved. And all these different uh, people like jewelers and goldsmiths and, and uh, priests and nobles and you go through the whole list. It took all these people to move. So God first moved in Nehemiah, he obeyed, and then God took over. 
Isn't that great? When God says do this and you take that first step, it'll be work, practical work. But then God takes over and watch what he will do. 32 couples coming out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Mark and team, for being faithful to do that. But there's more. (laughs) There's more. Isn't that great? God has no lack. So there's always more he wants to do. And so I thought, you know, as I follow this story and I watch all these people, there's one thing that, that in spite of the opposition, in spite of the, the you know, staying the course, um, I'm on this ladder, I can't come down stuff, they didn't give up. And I want to encourage you in your testimony, don't give up. Run the race that God set before you. Do we fail? Yeah, you betcha. Do we fall short? Mm-hmm, we do. But does that mean God doesn't love us? Does that mean God hasn't called us? Does that mean that we can't persevere and move on? Yes, we need to do all of those things. And in 52 days, if you can imagine, they worked together so hard with all that story of opposition and fatigue and the heat and so on, a miracle happened. The wall was completed in 52 days. Now, that's a short time to rebuild walls around a city that that aren't just loose stones, but packed together properly so that it's an actual wall. And in 52 days, they must have stood back and been in awe. But I want to say this, as as God moves in our hearts, uh, he's going to move on us for this community. But he also sends us to the ends of the earth. And I want to tell you, the moment God starts calling you into something, he's going to shake your world. And he's going to move you out of a comfort zone. And he's going to put you in a place that the story really begins. Like Nehemiah. Like Nehemiah. And at the end of it all, when it was all said and done, there was this result. And it tells us right there from Scripture, in the fifth of Elul, in 52 days, when all our enemies, look at this. This is what part I love. All our enemies heard about this. All the surrounding nations were afraid, lost their self-confidence, because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. The help of our God. Who gets the glory? God. Who gets the praise? God. Who accomplished this? But he uses who? Us. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.